We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. All right, Tommy's here and I am here. Uh, took the day off yesterday, may take another day or two off this week. I'm off from radio. I get vacation time for radio and somebody, Tommy, asked me, well, if you're doing the podcast, why can't you do the radio show? Well, I'm on vacation technically, even though it's not a real vacation because I'm moving. I've been moving over the weekend. Boy, that's fun. Um, and the difference between the radio show and the podcast is the radio show, I have to wake up at 4.15 every morning. So it's nice to be able to sleep in all the way to about 5.45 or 6. You know, uh, seriously, my wife was like, are you not going to sleep in? And I said, I just did. Getting up. I'm with your wife on that. I don't get, I mean, you know what I, you know how late I slept yesterday? I know you sleep a lot. 10.30. I know. You sleep a lot, and that's good. It's healthy. I've never been a late sleeper, not since college. I mean, there were many nights where you rolled in at, you know, at 4 or oh, 5 a.m., and you slept until 1 or 2 in the afternoon, and you got up and, by the way, then watched All My Children, One Life to Live in General Hospital, um, if you were a, a college student of the 80s uh, like I am. But uh, that aside, no, I, I can't do it anymore. I've never been a super late sleeper to begin with, um, but for me to sleep in till about six, honestly, six fifteen, is it, it? It's a world of difference. World of difference. Well, that's good. I, yeah, I'm happy for you. You know what? I think the key is most people I know who can't sleep once they wake up. Uh, their mind starts going about what they've got to do that day. Me, that's what happens you with know? me. You know what's... And, 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 and not me. I, I, I can get up. <laughs> well, there's not a whole lot up there. Um, right. There you go. If you're mindless, you can sleep longer. Yes. Uh, there. So I wanted to start off the show with what I think um, is you know some optimism from, from training camp. Yesterday, um, according to one of the beat reporters, Taylor Heineke dropping dimes, dropping dimes for emphasis, puts a pretty ball right in DeAndre Carter's breadbasket, working an out route to the right side of the end zone, and he got his foot in. Now, you got to get two feet in, you know, in the NFL 
So I don't know if it was a completed pass or not a completed pass. The next play, Heineke hit a wide-open Steven Sims for an easy pass touchdown. So I don't know. I've been reading all of these tweets coming out of training camp starting last week in Richmond, and I am really getting fired up for this season. I mean, he's dropping dimes. Dropping dimes. I, you know, how did the rest of the NFL miss this guy? <laughs> yeah, you know? how they miss him for all these years? You know what they're I talking mean, He's 28 years old. He's been the best kept secret in football. I think he's 29. And now he's there. I think he's 29. Think he's, oh, are you kidding me? Hold on. Uh, you might be right. You might be right. He's 28. My fault. He just turned 28. Correct. Okay. Um. Yeah. You know, it, it actually, and I know we, again, we kid because we love. Um, I, yeah, you're hard on these guys. I, I'm, I'm not hard on them. I find it hysterically funny because they are doing what they're supposed to doing, uh, yeah, to be doing, exactly. and there is clearly an audience for some of it. But don't count me in on being the serious part of the audience. With that said, though, Tommy, I was thinking about this one thing. I don't know if I've ever been less like sure about anything involving this football team. And it's not just because of the last week with COVID, because we're 40-something days away from the regular yeah. season. Um, but I just, like, I could see 5-12. and 12, and No, I could see 6-11, and 11, and I guess I could see 11-6. and six. I mean, that's a stretch for me because I think if everything went well, 10 and 7 is more likely the number, but maybe a playoff spot, a wild card playoff spot. But everything would have to turn out to be like the most hopeful ending, um, to, you know, of, of what we're thinking right now. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick, wow, did he, you know, live up to or exceed? Antonio Gibson was even better in year two than we thought. Chase Young was a monster in year two. How about the return of Matt Ioannidis and that Jamin Davis? My God, who knew? And at the same time, like, it's this organization, and it's not the default, you know, it's not the Surgeon General's warning. It is just that there is so much we also don't know. Like, for those that are absolutely convinced this is going to be a dominant defense, why? It has talent, it's well-coached, but it wasn't dominant last year, and they've added some pieces, but that doesn't mean it's going to be dominant offensively, what if Ryan Fitzpatrick is what you think he's going to be, which is on the verge of looking old? I mean, there is so much – and by the way, you can say this about 25 to 27 teams probably a season. But I sort of feel like because of the optimism, the increased optimism, as I've been saying probably the most since 2013, I feel like for me it's not like super optimistic. It's super coin flippish. A lot of NFL seasons are that. I understand that. But this one, I'm not, I'm not on the side of this is really going to be a lot of fun to watch these guys. Like this has a chance to be the season. I don't feel that way. I feel like I have no idea what's going to happen. None. Well, again, I mean, like you said, uh, particularly with the quarterback position, a lot of things 
have to go your way and basically beat the odds in, in, in this case. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, I write for Warpath, uh, 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 like a newspaper, an online uh, thing for Washington football. You do, you do what? Uh, you do what? I, I write for Warpath. It's, I think it's, a, you know, Rick Snyder's in charge of it. Uh, I write a column for them. It comes out, I think, once every couple of weeks. You, you familiar with Warpath? No, I've I've zero. I, I I don't know anything about Warpath, and you've never told me you write for some publication called Warpath. Never. Well, I do. I I, I do, and I wrote a column for them about the quarterback position, and I I just laid out the. The, the absurdity of the uh, anticipation and excitement for a position with so much uncertainty. I mean, I, I, I suggested that fans are more excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick than Alex Smith when he got traded to Washington. Um, and Alex Smith, I, Alex I Smith... I, I, you know, I mean, had was was coming off a career year. Right. Uh, he played for nothing but winning teams most of his career, and I think fans are more excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick than when Alex Smith got traded here. I don't agree with that. I, I think okay. that there was a. I, I think that there was a lot of excitement about Alex Smith. Now, I was very obviously not happy about the way the Kirk Cousins thing was handled. And, you know, I think I turned out to be right about that. I wanted him signed, and then when they wouldn't, I wanted him traded. Now, when they signed Alex Smith, I did say at the time, and I felt this way, I like Alex Smith as a player, and he gives them much more of a chance to be competitive with an improving defense. Remember, it was also, you know, 2018 was the second consecutive year they had drafted a defensive lineman in the first round. And I'm like, all right, at least they're focused on this. Maybe they get better at it um, because that was the Achilles heel uh, were, you know, the – Really, the special team, the defense number one, special teams number two for the for the fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen seasons. I was excited about Alex Smith. I did not like the contract extension. I, I did. I, I was against that. But the um, the Alex Smith addition, uh, I actually felt um, pretty pretty confident that he was going to be able to do a pretty good job, especially in Jay Gruden's sort of West Coast offense because that's really what he came from with Andy Reid. Now, remember before that year I said, if you don't give Alex Smith a running game, you got zero chance. So they've got to give him a running game somehow. They've got to advance their rush offense. And obviously he had many more weapons in Kansas City coming off that season. That season, that 2017 season in Kansas City for him really was his best year. That was the year for him. He he was uh I'm looking it up right now. 20, 26 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, I think. 26 and 5? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's in numbers. Um that's exactly what it was. 26 and yeah. 5. He threw for over 4,000 yards for the only time in his career. He completed 67.5% of his passes. That was second only to what he had done in 2012. Um, and 
Uh, there was a point in that 2017 season where it bogged down, where a lot of people in Kansas City were like, look, there's a limit to Alex Smith. We might want to, to insert Patrick Mahomes. They didn't do it, and they probably, I would bet Andy Reid regrets it. I'm sure Andy Reid will always play the Alex Smith was a terrific mentor to Patrick Mahomes, and Alex Smith played well, and he got it together late after they went through a period of time where they were struggling to score. But I don't know. In my opinion, after seeing Patrick Mahomes, would it have really been that much different had he come in in week 10 or 11 and taken over? versus week one the following year. I, they lost in the first round wild card, blew a 21 to three lead at home and lost to the Titans. So look, I don't want to, I don't want to litigate Alex Smith anymore. My, my feeling is that Washington fans that, that are, are within my circle and on social media have expressed more excitement about Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think part of the reason is Ryan Fitzpatrick, when he's on, is a lot more fun than Alex Smith. It's more fun to watch a guy whip the ball down the field and throw four touchdown passes and 400 yards a game when, when he's right. So I think, I think fans are more excited about him. That's my opinion. I, so I, I think, think that's a little bizarre. I think it's the same. Well, it shouldn't be. I think. It's I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't even in Alex Smith's, Smith's uh, you know, atmosphere. That's true. I mean, <laughs> Alex Smith's record as a starting quarterback is ninety nine sixty seven and one. Um, and he's so, and he's played and he's uh, he started several playoff games as well. I, I'm 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 with you. I don't know. I. I you might be right. I don't know. Maybe you're right because of the overall season last year that ended with people being optimistic about the future as long as they added, you know, a decent quarterback. Whereas in 2018, really, many people saw it as incredibly transparent that Bruce Allen was trying to cover the, the major fuck up that the team had made with Cousins um, and that, that he couldn't he couldn't start from scratch. You know, he couldn't go into the draft and draft somebody or 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 take it more slowly. He had he had to do something quickly. And Alex Smith was a good solution for what they had lost. It should have been. I still will never understand why the offense that should have fit Alex Smith to a T didn't. Where it didn't seem like they utilized his strengths as much. But that's I mean, it fine. It didn't seem like Jay Gruden wanted him from the start. Um. Yeah. Well, he had he had no idea. I mean, he told me that on the podcast. Right. I remember he didn't he said, know he was coming. He had no he had no idea. He had no input into it whatsoever. Which you know is another yeah. sort of, um, I think data point on Bruce felt the pressure to um to make people forget how badly they had screwed up the cousin situation. Um, so, uh, anyway, you might be right. You're right. I don't want to litigate Alex Smith either. Um, uh, your point was that people are more excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick than they were Alex Smith in 2018. And why should and, they and be? Then, yeah. And, and, and then you've got, you know, the Mr. Dimes dropper himself, Taylor Heineke. <laughs> They're really excited about that guy. Yeah. You know, the former XFL quarterback. There's, I mean... Who, People don't think that nobody thinks there's an actual competition, do they? Nobody listening no. to this actually thinks there's a competition. I hope you. I hope you don't. I mean, that's it's not going to happen. 
I don't care if he gets first-team reps or not. And by the way, didn't Ron Rivera, and I'll be honest with you, over the last couple of days because I've been in the midst of this move, I've been paying attention but not as closely, but didn't Ron Rivera say something really nice about Kyle Allen the other day? Well, no. In fact, just the opposite. He said, you know, he said, he basically said, you know, I, th- I think, you know, somebody asked him about Kyle Allen, and I think he said something like, you know, he's been working really hard. He, I, mean, I, I know he tweaked he the ankle, uh, an ankle. Yeah, but I thought he had said something yeah. positive before that. Whatever, um, Ryan. So you you used you used a phrase actually here that I think is actually a decent topic. You said they've got to beat the odds. Where do they have to beat the odds? Well, they have to beat the odds at quarterback because the odds are on Ryan Fitzpatrick is that he will be average because that's essentially what he's been as a starter. So he needs to beat the odds. Fitzpatrick does. Um, The linebackers need to beat the odds. One of the reasons they were an inconsistent run-stopping team, and if you're an inconsistent run-stopping team, you cannot be a dominant defense. The linebackers sort of have to beat the odds, don't they? Like, is Jamin Davis, wouldn't it be beating the odds if he were fabulous as a rookie? Like, it, it takes time. So the linebackers as a whole have to sort of beat the odds. I'll tell you who's got to beat the odds at this point for me is the kicker. The kicker was 79% on field goals last year. It was like 27th or 28th in the league. He's got to beat the odds. They decided to keep him and not provide any competition for him. The um, who, el- what else, who else needs to beat the odds? Like the odds right now are against them that they're going to have a great linebacking core, that they're going to have a great quarterback, that they're going to have a great kicker. Maybe just great – maybe special teams have to just beat the odds. They need a, they need a punt returner that doesn't fumble. Um, they need a kicker that doesn't miss as much as he did last year. Um, by the way, we mentioned – the big one is the quarterback. That's the most important yes. one. Yes, that's, that's the one that – it, it, it all rides on that. So that's why I'm. I mean, all rides on the quarterback, and they've got three quarterbacks, but they don't have any. You could argue. Yeah, uh, but 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 if you are optimistic and you think that the quarterback can beat the odds and he can have another really good year or even elevate from where he was last year and the year before, um, then you you you're going to feel like you've got a really good team. But I I don't know, Tommy. The, the net of it is. I have no idea. I have no right. idea. Like on one hand, when I always do this, you know, as we near a season, I always start to envision, all right, what's going to happen? And it's impossible in the NFL in general. Um, but with this particular team, I'm like, you know, the Chargers game. The Chargers are pretty good. A lot of Chargers fans are really optimistic. And they have a quarterback, it would appear. They have the answer. And they got a pretty good defense, too, and they're getting healthier on defense with the return of Derwin James. Like, can they really but beat they do the have a new coach. They do have a new they coach. They do have a new coach. They have a new coach. And that's always a step back. It's always a step back, usually. Uh, sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, sometimes. Um, I... 
And then I, I, I and then I look at you know the teams that they're facing, and I, I realize right now how many games they're going to be underdogs in. But I think about that first game, the first two really, because they play two games in the first five days of the season: the Chargers and then the Giants on that first on that second Thursday night game after the Cowboy Buccaneer game opens and it all up. They're they're both home, right? They're both home, and I'm like, you okay. know, if and. By the way, I don't want to say that they have to get off to a good start because we know in the NFL you don't have to get off to a great start. Well, you know, right. and, and now yeah. with 17 games, it's probably even less important that a good start happens. But if they did get off to a 2-0 start by beating the Chargers and the Giants at home, do you know how much excitement there will be and how many people that were skeptical um, are going to be like, whoa, and now they're going to Buffalo, and they get you know uh, the extra. It's almost like an extra bye week when you play that Thursday night a week and a half before. And Buffalo's good, and big game as a two and O team. But I could also see them going zero and two to start the season with two home losses. And at that point, you know everybody will be bailing. Because oh, yeah. here comes Buffalo, they're zero and three there, and you know, and a few, and then and then it's Falcons, Saints, Chiefs, Packers, and then you know Denver, and then B- the Buccaneers. Like pe- these first two games, even though they're fifteen after them, are going to sort of set the tone in terms of excitement. If they can win these first two games, their next home game comes like three weeks later, I think it is against the Saints. They will sell some tickets for that game if they win the first two. Yeah, they will. Now, would you, if they went 0-2, would you blame any Washington football fans for bailing on them at that point? No. No. Okay. And again, okay. I want to, well, hold on, I want to make one thing really clear. Because my opinion on this has changed over the years. I used to be the, look, you know, if you can't, if you can't deal with, you know, the process here when Mike got here, remember Tommy? If you can't deal oh, yeah. with it, you know, go antiquing with your wife for the weekend and and check back in here on Monday and we'll tell you how it's going if you can't man up and handle it. But now I don't blame any of these people after twenty one years of being treated the way they've been treated. Um and they're totally welcome back in under the tent of 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 Redskin of I'm sorry, Washington football team nation. Um, if the team starts to do well, these people in this fan base that say, well, if you're not there through all of this, you know, go to hell. No, 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 no. These people have been abused. This fan base has been abused for two decades. Yeah, I think if you're a Washington football fan, you have the right to come and go as you please. Absolutely. 100%. You know what? I would say the same thing about an Orioles fan or a Yankees fan for all those years. Any fan of a team that has had that team ruined by management or an own ownership, you've got the right to come and go as you please. You have the right to spend and not spend as you please. Um, I okay. don't, but I don't know what to, I'm telling you. I could see them winning the first two. I could see them losing the first two. I could see them winning the first two, and even though it's early and it doesn't tell the tale, could catapult them to a 10-11 win season with some big games to, you know, in November and October. And I could see them losing the first two, and who knows what COVID will bring, and then all of a sudden everything goes to hell in a handbucket. Like, 
we've we we have we know that these seasons can get away and snowball in an ugly way. We've we've lived through all of those, many of them. My goal every year, Tommy, for the purposes of me and you is just get us to Thanksgiving where they have a chance. Because if you get to Thanksgiving, you're already three quarters of the way through the season typically. And if there's, you know, they're sitting there at five and five or six and five or five and six, you know, people still think, well, you know, they got, and this year they've got all their division games left basically. It's when you get to Thanksgiving and you're two and nine or three and eight, that's when it's a long year. A long year and not good for our business at all. No, no, definitely not. By the way, speaking of COVID, did you see my tweet that I tweeted yesterday? I I, I, I liked your tweet. Did you see that? Did you notice that I liked your tweet? I, I did. didn't know. I didn't see that. Yeah. No, sorry. Yeah. You want me to read it to everybody, or would you like yeah, to read it? Yeah, you read it, because you, you do such a much more eloquent job than me. <laughs> Don't be sarcastic. Go ahead and read it. I wasn't trying to take your steal your thunder. I was just saying, you know, would you like me to read it, and that therefore, you know, I'm sort of propping you up, or do you want to read it and sound like you're so super proud? Let me be proud of you and read it, okay? Okay. John Kime tweeted out: Rivera said they had a good turnout for vaccinations yesterday. Said they're trending up, and Tommy retweeted that and wrote the following: You know. If a doctor showed up at the park, opened his trunk, and told them, I've got syringes filled with a iguana piss, that will, make you, that will make you faster and stronger, and it's undetectable, there would be a line through the parking lot. And it's so true. These yes. guys, this is such a great point. Like, and I, I think you've made this point before. What they have put into their bodies, you know, and by the way, just thinking about baseball players, can you imagine baseball players not getting vaccinated with all the shit they put into their bodies? But somebody, Absolutely. somebody, a friend of mine mentioned, I mean, these guys take shots at Toradol and all of these different things to be able to get back on the field and they won't take this vaccination. Like, are you kidding me? It's a good point. It's a really good point. They would if if they if they were told that iguana piss would make them faster, stronger, and that it couldn't be detectable, they'd have a line out there. And by the way, with no FDA approval on any of that, with no with with no real science behind it, probably. I mean, again, their whole their whole argument. I mean, you know, it's a, it just sounds ridiculous. It's a, it's a, it sounds it's always sounds illogical. You know, and it's falling apart, unfortunately, by the day as more people wind up hospitalized. Well, players aren't, these players aren't ending up hospitalized. No, I mean the argument that it's a personal choice and that what I do doesn't affect anyone else. That argument's kind of falling apart as more people, well, I won't say across the country, let's say in Florida and Texas are hospitalized. Yeah, I mean, we've seen these spikes in states, and then we've seen moments where some of those states have been among the lowest, too, Tommy. I, I, I don't want to politicize this, and I know you're going in that direction. The, 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 the number of people that are unvaccinated in terms of the demographics are much more mixed than CNN might tell you. But that's beside the point. You, you tweet. Here's the thing uh, what, that I don't—I I told you this last week. Don't test— 
either mandate vaccinations and don't test or don't mandate them and don't test. If the vaccinated people are, as we know now, they are getting infected, but vaccinated people aren't really getting sick at this point. I know there are examples, but they are few and far between. What the yeah. what the, uh, the vaccine was supposed to do was not be a guarantee, certainly not the Johnson & Johnson shot or the Moderna or the Pfizer shot, uh, as much as the Moderna or the Pfizer shot, I, I should say. Um, they weren't guarantees that you wouldn't get infected, but they were going to significantly decrease the already super long shot odds that you would get ill. NFL players are not going to get ill if they get COVID right now. They weren't going to get ill more likely than not if they got COVID before. Now, I know that there have been some examples before the vaccination. You know, we had the, I mean, Jason Tatum in the, in the NBA is still, even though he's competing in the Olympics, is now on, you know, uh, an albuterol inhaler, you know, and there's taste and smell loss. And there are some of these longer term effects. I certainly understand that. But now with the vaccination, if you're vaccinated, your chances of getting ill as a young athlete are basically down to, I mean, you know, quarters of a percent or less than that for their age group and their fitness level. Now, do you want them to put other people at risk? I don't. But if they're putting other unvaccinated people at risk, that's that's on the unvaccinated. Tommy? I get that. I understand that. You're right. So don't test. In the NFL, they, they're not required to test. This is their policy, and they're testing, and we're seeing a lot of COVID cases, and we're seeing a lot of players being held out. How about in Minnesota where the quarterback room, and, and my guy apparently is an anti-vaxxer? Kirk. That's, that's not a shock. No, it's not, actually. I would agree with you on that. Very, very religious, very uh, probably conservative in many of his in his views. But again, to 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 to, to push the unvaccinated on, on just uh, conservatives, you know, MAGA hat wearing, Ar- you know, Arkansinians. Is that how you say somebody from Arkansas? Was that good, Arkansinian? Do you think that's, that's pretty right? Pretty good, buddy. Is that is that the way you they know say your it? geography? Um, when it's just as many young people, and by the way, young people of color that are a major issue right now. Yes. Um, yes. All I'm saying is, and to, um, to let me just say, uh, preface this by saying I haven't given it a lot of thought. I haven't given a lot of thought, but I just if if the if the trend holds up, where Players aren't getting sick from COVID, and maybe they have a you know some cold-like or flu-like symptoms for a couple of days. Don't test either, no, I'm, or, I'm not or, sure or just mandate. I'm I'm for either I'm I'm for man, let me just be clear. I'm for mandating the vaccine. The NFL saying you got to get it. I'm for that because I think it's better for mankind and I think it's better for the country. And to eradicate a virus as transmissible as this, you need the highest percentage of vaccinated people. So I am, let me also be clear, I'm pro-vaccine. I'm not into shaming people who aren't getting it. And I'm into being more open-minded when somebody says that they won't get it. But I am pro-vaccine and I really personally have a hard time believing a lot of the answers as to why people won't. 
um, and you know where they're getting their information. Just call your your damn doctor. Your doctor is going to tell you to get the vaccine. But I'm for either mandating the vaccine and then not testing or not mandating the vaccine. Secondly, I would say if they choose not to mandate the vaccine, just don't test. If you don't test, you're not going to have any players on COVID protocol missing games, putting games at risk, or putting teams at competitive disadvantage risk. And you but know that rewards that rewards the people who don't get the vaccine. Well, the, the, you know what? They There's may not ultimately they may not ultimately be rewarded because if they get it and they get sick, they're going to be out anyway. If they if they get it and they they have significant symptoms and they get sick. They're out anyway. But there's more people around the team. Yeah, get them vaccinated. Well, actually, they're all vaccinated. They're all vaccinated. Anyone who works in an NFL team has to be vaccinated. And they now have to be, right? So even an yes. older yes. coach or an older staff yes. member that you know they had that Tier 1, Tier 2 thing, they're all vaccinated or they're not there like that Minnesota Vikings coach, whatever his yes. name was. So if everybody's vaccinated – I mean, this goes back to, um, I, I forget when you and I were talking about this, but it's like, if you're worried about the, if you're worried about the virus, get vaccinated. Um, and I, I, and, and if you're, no, it was, it was more mask. I don't want to get into the mask thing. It was like, if you don't okay. want to wear a mask, get vaccinated. This was a couple months ago. If you know. If you're worried about getting the virus and you're unvac- uh, unvaccinated, I can't remember what I said. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> okay. Let me just add one last thing to this. Uh, TMZ reported that the CDC has paid the NFL Alumni Association $3.5 million to help them promote the COVID vaccine. <laughs> Do they really think that's going to work? I don't think that gets... Look, it's, it's worth a shot, former players. Not that, not that current players will listen to former players. They never do. You know, they really should have just told them, hey, we, got, we found some iguana piss, and it's really going to increase <laughs> your speed and strength. Come on in here. There you it. go. And by the way, it's a two-shot thing. you got to get one now, and you got to get one in 30 days. You know, Tommy, honestly, it's, and we talked about this a year ago, what would shut the league down was no longer, remember a year ago, a, a positive test isn't going to shut sports down like it did with Rudy Gobert. Somebody being on a ventilator in a hospital or worse is going to shut down sports. And, and we never had that. We never had that. No. Now, to me, it's still, um, it won't shut down sports, but somebody on a ventilator or, some, or worse um, would, would, is almost required at this point for others to realize, oh, I can actually get it and get sick. But, you know, the odds, again, are astronomical um, long shots that will actually see that happen, which is precisely why I would say mandate it. That's what I'd be be in favor of. And if you're not, regardless whether you mandate or don't mandate, just don't test. Not every company tests, Tommy. Not every uh, company uh, requires uh, vaccinations. Not every college is requiring every student and every faculty member to be vaccinated. to be vaccinated. Most are, I think, at this point, although I don't really know what the numbers are. I'm guessing that most are in, in a college atmosphere. Um, and a lot of companies are. Um, the NFL hasn't mandated it. They could, or maybe they can't because of the union. I forget. But the bottom line is, these guys, 
if they test positive or if they're exposed to somebody who tests positive, I mean, knock on wood, the odds are so long that anything's going to happen to any of them. And I get it. They could go home and infect somebody that's older. But you know what? That person should be vaccinated. If there's a concern of an older person with an underlying you know, health issue or even a younger person with an underlying health issue, get vaccinated. At what point, Tommy, when the vaccinations start to level off, and maybe they already have, at what point do we say, well, these people chose not to get vaccinated. We're, we're moving on with our lives now. We're moving on with it. When, when I guess it doesn't strain uh, the hospital system in, in particular locations. When it doesn't affect health care for other uh, maladies. Where where are we seeing the influx volume on the healthcare system where other people or you know a heart attack victim isn't being treated properly because of all the COVID well, cases? Well, there's been over, some reports over. that that again, uh, Texas and Florida uh, hospitals are starting to be overwhelmed with COVID patients. The, this is a good reason. You know, it's like. That that is to me like ultimately it's like okay if you get to the point where you're cold hearted is in terms of unvaccinated people they chose this if they get it and they get sick even if I'm the one infecting them as a vaccinated person which by the way I could have it and transmit it um, yes. you know even if you get to that point where you're like uh, sorry you should have gotten vaccinated I <laughs> guess the better point is what you just made is that. You know, without these people, if these people start overrunning our hospitals, then that vaccinated person who has a, you know, a necessary surgery and has to put it off for months or, you know, longer. Look, Tommy, you know, um, the mental health, we've talked a lot about mental health, but one of the unforeseen, you know, um, issues, uh, not unforeseen, but one of the underplayed um, issues of the last year and a half is one-on-one mental health therapy. You know, a lot of the mental health therapy with psychiatrists and psychologists and cognitive, you know, behavioral uh, behavioral therapy is much better if you read about this stuff done in person one-on-one and they haven't been able to do that. You know, there've been a lot of those areas of healthcare that have just really people have really been underserved because of this. Yes. Well, you're starting yes, to talk. Are, you're starting to talk me into a, a different feeling. I just, I'm thinking specifically about the NFL, and it's like they're in buildings. Everybody's vaccinated that should be vaccinated. Coaches, staff members. It's the players that have the right not to be vaccinated. If they get COVID, they're not going to get sick, and they're not going to infect somebody that's going to get sick. If the if the people that are at risk are already vaccinated. I don't know if that's an absolute. No, there are occasionally, I think there are some examples of, right. of vaccinated people getting COVID and getting sick, but the chances are so long that the, the, the odds of them, you know, getting something else from that player and getting much, you know, much more ill or higher, but whatever. I don't know, man. The, back to our team. And are they, by the way, you saw that, you saw that Tampa Bay is ninety percent vaccinated. Yes, the Bucks. Right. Yeah. 
and I saw that the our team it's growing a little bit, but Chase Young is a real holdout, huh? Is that where we are Apparently. with him? Yeah. He's a he's a team captain he's, and yeah. um and uh you know, here uh, uh here's what somebody said to me about the uh this is the philosophy of this uh generation. You do you. <laughs> you do you. You know? I'll do me, you do you. You know what? I don't I don't want to beat this to death, but you I think you really made um the best point to me not thinking this thing through as I suggested and prefaced all of my previous comments with. And that is to to say to Chase Young, look, dude, you're not going to get sick if you don't, you know, the odds of you getting it and getting sick, even if you're unvaccinated, are really low. And the the odds of you infecting somebody that ends up getting sick are really, really low. We all understand that. But here's the problem. The problem is if we continue to fill up hospitals with people who are getting sick because they're older or they have underlying conditions and they're not vaccinated, you might have an emergency appendectomy or something like that. And they might have to say, yeah, we're going to have to take you to it. wouldn't be him, obviously, but a normal person, maybe somebody he knows um, might have to, you know, wait on that surgery or because and, and that really is. Remember, the initial fear. One of the initial fears when we go back to March of 2020 was that it was just going to overrun the healthcare system. And it did in places like New York and, yes, you know, in, in a couple of other true hot spots. Houston. Houston was a bad yeah. city for that. Um, and it did. And it probably costs people who were sick with other things, you know, immediate health care. Yeah, it probably did. But you know what? What? You're vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. We're cool. Let me just tell you something. My sister, um, she never listens to this. My sister's vaccinated. She got COVID. She just got it the other day. She had a sore throat. She had a fever. Um, She was vaccinated, and she did have some underlying conditions. Um, And uh, she was was one of the first to get vaccinated. Um, you know, in talking to her, she feels fine. The fever, the fever and sore throat is why she went to the doctor. She actually thought maybe she had strep because she wasn't thinking that she could have COVID because she was vaccinated. Um, but she tested positive for COVID. Um, and she, she's, she's feeling fine. Um, one of the things in just a brief conversation with her and then just looking some stuff up online, you know, the other thing that's really improved over the last year, are the therapeutics, you know, to deal with those that have serious, um, you know, serious symptoms. So they're able to deal with the seriously affected with COVID much better than they could a year ago with medicine. You mean like Jack Del Rio's voodoo woman? <laughs> no, no, I don't know who that is. Do you think uh, Ben St- Standick told me that the the they were all doing some back of the envelope, you know, math because there there's some tells or there were at training camp last week 
um, because certain, you know, you have to wear masks if you're not vaccinated. There's some sort of yellow wristband or something if you are vaccinated. And they basically, I think they came to the conclusion that eight of the 11 defensive starters were not vaccinated. Now, maybe that's changed. I guess Deron Payne was the latest to go on um, a protocol. He didn't have it. I did hear that Deron Payne was without a mask and got fined in the building. Um, you know, a source told me that last week. I didn't care about putting it out there. Who cares about that? But I'm just telling you, apparently he's one of the players that's gotten fined for not, you know, wearing a, the, the mask the where he was supposed to as an unvaccinated player. Um you know, there are – look, the bottom line with football, we're going on and on on this, and it, I didn't intend to. The bottom line is your team's going to be at a higher probability of being at a competitive disadvantage if you're on the lower end of the vaccination scale based on the current NFL setup. If the NFL wants to change it and mandate vaccines or say we're not going to test or we're going to loosen restrictions against the unvaccinated, which I don't see coming – Um, Maybe, but but right now, if you're on the lower end of that, there's a higher chance. It's not definite, but there's a higher probability that you're going to be impacted when the season starts. I think Ron Rivera said the other day, I'm paraphrasing here, but if they had the kind of breakout that they had last week, right before the Charger game, those, those players would have missed two games because the Giant game is that next Thursday night. So if you were out, you were without Brandon Sheriff and Matt Ioannidis and and Curtis Samuel and Deron Payne, you know, you would have been at a competitive disadvantage without four really good players for two games. What else you want to talk about? You want to talk about the Nats? You want to talk about Spencer Dinwiddie? You want to talk about Simone Biles? Let's do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Subscribe to the podcast if you have it. doesn't cost you a thing. Rate us and review us, especially on Apple and on Spotify. The podcast today is presented by our, our, our good friends at My Bookie. Um, UFC 265 this Saturday uh, night. Uh, they've got everything you need on UFC 265. Manny Pacquiao fights this month, Tommy. They'll have everything on Manny Pacquiao as well. Plenty of Olympic stuff. Um, I didn't look at the. Uh, at the number for the U.S. who beat Spain this morning in the quarterfinal round. I'm going to guess they were like a 10-point favorite, maybe more. 
Um, I have no idea what what they were favored by. They won by 14. Uh, I did not watch it, but I did just read here this morning that Simone Biles competed again. I think everybody knew that she was going to compete one last time, um, and she got the bronze on the balance beam. Um, so she missed the vault, the uneven, and the floor exercise, as well as the all-around, but she returned uh, to competition today uh, and got a bronze medal um, on the balance beam. So hopefully... Well, good for her. Hopefully... Congratulations. The, the twisties are... I would imagine is the... I mean, you still have to do one of those thing, you know, one of those dismounts off the balance beam, and you still have to do a lot of things in the air on a balance beam. So do the twist are the twisties less impactful on the beam than they are on the unevens? You would know well, the answer I read, to this. <laughs> well, of course I would, based on my years uh, in the gym. Uh, from what I read, uh, she had to undergo a thorough medical exam and a psychiatric, psychological profile, for lack of a better word, to see what her state of mind was before she went into this thing. Okay. So, uh, I mean, she did have to undergo some scrutiny, uh, and I'm sure she probably welcomed it. She wanted to feel comfortable uh, before competing. That was part of the, a big part of the problem. So apparently she was, and she won a bronze, which I think ties her for the most gold medals by a U.S. gymnast. Wow. Uh, most medals, not gold medals, most medals. I can tell you this, by US the gymnast. ratings for NBC are way down on these Olympics, and yeah, her they, not participating yeah, definitely impacted yeah. some of those numbers yeah. because, you know, she was the big star coming in. Um, and... Uh, um, look, she, you know, uh, you, you can certainly, you can certainly, uh, you know, um, build her up and glorify her return to the games and the effort um, to uh, to get back on the uh, horse, so to speak, and the fact that she was cleared and it wasn't dangerous. Um, good for her. And uh, I don't know, will she uh, will she compete in twenty? She's twenty four years old, so she would be twenty eight. Yeah, twenty four. She's she's not a kid. I don't think so. There is a Gold Over America Simone Biles tour scheduled for this this fall. So she'll be coming to an arena near you. Okay. Well, and you can cheer um, and yes. uh, and as you said, canonize her for taking yes. that that you know incredible, brave, courageous stand and bowing out of all of those Olympic events. With again, we say in all seriousness, a serious issue. We never, yes. for those of you that reached out and said we were harsh, no, we absolutely said after learning about what it was that kept her out, that is a legitimate reason to keep her out. The bigger issue that we had was just this falling all over each other as a media base to call it like the most courageous thing in the history of sports. That, that. And that it was some kind of game-changing moment in sports moving forward. Yeah. I mean, that whole discussion was absurd. It was. It was absolute, and you know what? I, I, uh, at Wildwood last week, uh, know, my family. in-laws, are, yeah. yeah, they're wonderful people, but none of them know anything about sports. And I was trying to make my case to people who really thought I was an ogre. <laughs> for for suggesting this, yeah. for suggesting that you know 
I mean, people watch sports for to watch people overcome adversity. That's part of the reason we love sports so much. I mean, if everyone starts bowing out because of pressure, you know, that's not going to happen. You- You've already had a couple of Olympic athletes put on Twitter that they welcome the pressure, you know, that pressure, you know, only drives them and stuff. And they weren't right referring to Simone Biles. They were just talking about their own philosophy. So this notion, again, this notion of you do you, you know, it's, 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 I don't think it's going to, it's what it's going on here. I don't think it's a game changer. Do you think they, they're sort of, um, condition to think of your responses as ogre like and that they it was just sort of hitting the default button with you no um, not really i agree with I you just think I, that... I i agree with you i totally agree with you what would have yeah. been a, what would have been a better seriously people what would have been a better story simone biles you know um drops out initially sort of referring to this mental um, you know, health issue. We find out it's a legitimate issue that, you know, absolutely should have shelved her from events because it was dangerous. Um, would that have been better than finding out after she competed and won a silver, a gold, a silver, and a bronze that she was dealing with a condition that was actually dangerous and she overcame it somehow during the competition? Well, apparently the former is a better story these days and and more, as Tommy would say, canonized or glorified or deified. Um, It would have been great, you know, to see, as Tommy said, people overcoming adversity in sports to get it done, to compete, to win, or to come close to winning is the best. Now, real quickly on Djokovic, you know, Djokovic was the one that um, yeah. went off a little bit about, you know, the pressure using the Billie Jean King line about pressure. Um, and then he completely, he know, completely he lost it. Down. He melted down. I, by the way, just as an aside, uh, tennis and golf, no offense, they shouldn't, in baseball, tennis, golf, and baseball should not, there, there are others too, shouldn't be Olympic sports. I, I mean, I was thinking about Djokovic. Why the hell is he even there? Like, uh, who, like Xander Shoffley won the golf event, which by the way was played an hour away from any, the next closest Olympic event. Do you really view Rory McIlroy and Xander Shoffley as Olympic athletes? There should be, the sport should require that this is the pinnacle, the pinnacle for an athlete to to participate at the Olympics and win a gold medal. Xander Shoffley would give his gold medal back and himself wrapped in, in the American flag back in a heartbeat for a win at the U.S. Open or the Masters. Like, a, probably even, you know, a, a significant event on, on tour. This is stupid. But I think there, there's, there's got to be a, a marketing uh, benefit to these sports and these athletes. You think so? Uh, Who's watching the these things? I, I, I don't know. I mean, sponsorships, you know. Look, I mean, there is, there. I mean, even though the Olympics are down, and even though, you know, I, I think they're uh, uh, obscenely uh, corrupt, uh, I mean, there is some marketing benefit to be associated with the Olympics. You think Todd Frazier would rather win a gold medal or a World Series? 
Obviously. Yeah, it, yes. it, it just uh, – I know I, that. It's st- uh, the whole thing. Djokovic didn't need to play this. And, by the way, the par- apparently the tennis was played in like 175 degrees. It was just unbearable what they played in. Um, I don't know. Those sports, they're, 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 they're newer to the Olympics, I believe. The golf thing is really absurd. Golf is already wildly popular. These athletes don't need the exposure. I mean, I, I give everybody a little bit of credit for sucking it up and representing your country, but this isn't really an Olympic sport. They're not part of the Olympic village. They're not part of the Olympic athlete group. They're multi-zillionaires. This is number 17 on their list of tournaments that they'd like to win. It's just and not the same the thing. And this is the thing. This is why baseball wants it. Uh, this is why you know the NBA wanted it because it helps grow the game internationally. If other countries are competing in this sport golf that doesn't may not need have international golf, the golf and tennis don't need international expansion. Everyone needs to grow. Oh Kevin. come on. This nobody's nobody. The Olympic baseball or Olympic golf or Olympic tennis isn't helping the sport grow. I think it is. I don't. May may be minimal, but I think it is. Now the basket you can't just you can't just kick away the rest of the world and say, "Oh, we don't care about that market." What do you mean the rest of the world? These sports are played in the rest of the world. They're not played in Italy. The only reason it's played in Italy, baseball, is because of the Olympics. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? Maybe maybe I I just don't consider Todd Frazier or Xander Schauffele to be Olympic heroes. Um, I, and and I, it just seems to me to be a bit much. And do you have any, do, do you have, like, you actually have some interest occasionally every four years in the Olympics. And, and I have at various times. Did you, do you even know what the U.S. baseball team did in the Olympics? No, I don't, but... But I have to admit, when I was in Sydney in 2000 covering the Summer Games, uh-huh. one of the best things I covered was the United States team managed by Tommy Lasorda, a bunch of minor leaguers, not major league players, maybe with one or two retired major league players on the roster, beating the Cuban national team, mm-hmm. the heavily favored Cuban national team, to win the gold medal. That was one of the best things. I've ever covered at the Olympics. And that was a lot, in part because of Lasorda. He turned it into, you know, this like patriotic battle uh, against the Cubans. And it, it was a lot of fun covering that. Remember I enjoyed bo- that. Remember the boxing stuff against the Cubans? Oh, my God, yeah. Tommy, yeah. Tommy has. Do, have we had any big boxing in the Olympics so far? I'm really. You know, I think there's. I, I've read that there's a resurgence of the U.S. Olympic boxing team. They've been, I think they, they've been shut out of medals for the most part for the last three or four Olympics. There may have been one or two occasional. I think there have been three medal winners on this team. Not necessarily gold medal, but I think there's, uh, the Olympic boxing is, is, uh, the United States had a little comeback this year. But it's not what it used to be. It's not, the, se- it's not the 76 boxing team? No. With Sugar Ray Leonard and Spinks. boxing team. Yeah. Yeah. Which is more famous, the 84 or the 76? Well, 76, rightly so, because in 84, all the Soviet bloc countries didn't compete. Right. You know? I mean, the Cubans didn't fight in the 84 Olympics. So who while was, who Evander the... Holyfield, 
Breland, uh, and all those other guys, you know, uh, Pernell Whitaker, they all won gold medals. They didn't compete against the Soviet bloc countries because that was their boycott following the 1980 boycott by the United States in Moscow. Right. Um, because of the uh, Afghanistan situation. Um, right. The 76 team was Sugar Ray Leonard and the and both both Spinks? Yes. Both Spinks were on it. And who else was on it? Leo Randolph. I don't know who that is. And I think... Leo Randolph was a lightweight, and uh, John Tate. John Tate, I think, was was a, a medal winner as who, well. Big guy. I think he he actually won a heavy, heavyweight championship briefly. Who was the before Cub- Mike Weaver? Who was him the out. big Cuban heavyweight that was like in the Olympics for like forever? Well, there were two of them. One was Teofilo Te- 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 Stevenson. That's the guy. Yeah, him. But there was a guy who I covered in 2000, his last Olympics, who followed him and I think won three gold medals over his career, and that was Felix Savone. Mm. What's another great Cuban heavyweight? I just, yeah. Teofilo Stevenson, I just pulled him up. Um, he yeah. won gold medal as a heavyweight, 72 Munich, 76 Montreal, and 80 in Moscow. Wow. And I think Savone won three Olympic gold medals as well. So seventy-two. Uh, Ali was was sixty in Rome, right? Yes. Joe Fraser was sixty-four. George Foreman was sixty-eight. The American Olympic hope in seventy-two at heavyweight was Dwayne Bobbick. Oh yeah. Yes. Hmm. Um. Okay. Uh, some gnats and wizards. Right after these words from a few of our sponsors. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I did want to mention that uh, the NFL news that I did not miss were some of the injuries, which are, to me, the you know, really that's the information you want, you know, to avoid as you're following your team through this, you know, uh, training camp preseason stretch. Carson Wentz out 5 to 12 weeks. Apparently I was, know. I mean, this guy can't stay healthy. This is the big issue, obviously, with him. And the Colts, who, you know, were going to be a good football team, they just don't have anybody. They just added Brett Hundley to the team. They've got Jake Eason. Um, you know, there, there's been talk of a potential trade. I mean, this is where if I were Washington, I'd be saying, hey, are you interested in Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke, you know, for a fourth-round pick? Or, you know, maybe with Taylor, it's a third-round pick at this point. Um, maybe. But you uh, know, I read somewhere. I, I don't know where I read where where that Nick Foles wants to be traded to well, Indianapolis. He, he they Wentz and Foles both loves loved Frank Reich. They just love him. Yes. So you know, but the, talk about a nightmare for Carson Wentz to have Nick Foles traded to to, to take his place in Indianapolis. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, if I were, if I were, uh, uh, well, the problem is, is he's not going to come back and be the short-term guy. But I'd call Philip Rivers, and I'd say, can we need you? We need you to, you know, come back out of retirement one more year. Philip Philip Rivers was good last year, and he was damn yes, good. He was. he was damn good in that playoff game, um, yeah. and uh, and. I mean, I don't even. I'm, I'm trying to think of who else you know is out there. Obviously, the 49ers have a situation with Garoppolo after um, you know uh, drafting Trey Lance. I wonder if Garoppolo is available. Um, Denver has Drew Locke. Uh, they also have Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I'm trying to think of the guys that were available. You know, uh, um, what's his face uh, in LA? Uh, not in LA, in Vegas, Marcus Mariota. Mariota would be a decent fit for them. Um, I don't know. I, don't, I can't think of others out there. But Foles would obviously be the one um, that would make a lot of sense. And Nick yeah. Foles is in Chicago where Andy Dalton is and Justin Fields. You know, you got both of them. I'll tell you, the last time, though, we saw Nick Foles, God, it was ugly last year at times. Yeah, there were yeah, game, There were games last year where it was painful to watch him. Um, all right. Uh, so the news on the Wizards is that they have their point guard, Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, the details of the trade haven't been worked out, but um, among others, I think Wojo was reporting a three-year, $60 million deal for Dinwiddie, uh, in terms of the players that are going to go back to Brooklyn for Dinwiddie, they're going to be, I think, some of the assets they acquired from 
uh, the Lakers for Russell Westbrook last week. I would imagine that there's a chance that Kuzma uh, is involved in that deal. Um, but let's talk about Dinwiddie. They needed a point guard. They didn't have one. They've got Aaron Holiday as a backup. Bish Smith and Neto are, are not under contract. I like Spencer Dinwiddie. I like him a lot. Um, now, he's coming off that torn ACL. Uh, that torn ACL happened, remember, in December at the beginning of the year because the season started late because the other one ended late. So it just happened in late December. He only played in two or three games with Brooklyn. He's had some big games against the Wizards over the years. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons uh, I got to sort of know Spencer Dinwiddie as a fan. He has come off the bench a lot of his career. What I like about Dinwiddie is he's 6'5", he's long. Um, He's an excellent pick-and-roll player. Uh, He is a much better shooter than maybe the percentages indicate from beyond the arc. He's had a couple of decent seasons, but you can see with the stroke, even though he leans into it a little bit, he's got a good stroke. Um, He's got really good feel and good handle in the pick-and-roll game. He's longer. He's a longer, sort of taller point guard at 6'5", 6'6", wherever he is. Um, He's a creator, too. He's a scorer. Uh, and he can facilitate. I think he's a good fit with Beal in the backcourt. I think he's also a guy that's hit some big shots and big moments and is fearless. Um, I like Spencer Dinwiddie. I think the key is, is he healthy? And then we can sort of evaluate it in more detail when we find out what they gave up. But they had to have a point guard, and having a guy in Spencer Dinwiddie, if he's healthy and he's back to where he was when he last played you know, uh, a significant p- a portion of the season um, in that shortened season, COVID, uh, that ended in the bubble, he averaged 20 points a game. He's got the ability to put up 18 to 20 with Beal averaging 30, and you know you end up with a backcourt that's averaging you know 50 plus a night, and you know he's a good facilitator too. He's a he's he's a guy that you know has averaged close to seven assists as more of a scoring point guard. Excellent pick and roll player. Excellent excellent player on the floor with the ball in his hands. Beal can play more off the ball, but they can certainly switch that up, and Beal can you know, uh, play possessions with the ball in his hands with Dinwiddie off the ball. Um, They had to have him. You know, this was not a playoff team uh, as currently constructed. With him, you know, maybe it's a team, depending on what they give up and what they bring back in Gafford and, you know, Hachimura hopefully blows up. Um, And you got a team that can compete for the playoffs. And, you know, maybe you're another piece away from being uh, a legitimate contender and when I say contender not championship contender but a you know a, a team that can win 45 to 50 games and win a series or two um, and push at least the Eastern Conference Finals it's not the team they have right now even with Dinwiddie um, but maybe you know there's another piece to come uh, next year more likely than not uh, it would come uh, with the ability that Tommy Shepard has created in terms of uh, you know, some ample cap room. Anyway, I like Dinwiddie. Uh, I think he's a good player. I hope he's healthy. I got to tell you, yeah. it's hard to take an athlete seriously whose name is Spencer Dinwiddie. Well, he, he, he didn't pick his name. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, if, 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 you're, if you've got a, a group of babies and one of them is named Spencer Dinwiddie, mm-hmm. are you saying that's, that's going to grow up to be an NBA player or is he going to grow up to be an accountant? That's an accountant's name. Yeah, Din Dinwiddie O'Donnell and and uh, and and Farkas. 
Sounds like an accounting firm. You know, it's just um, it's just it's hard to take him seriously. With he needs to change his name. His big issue is just staying healthy. Um, I'm looking at the year he averaged twenty. He averaged twenty point six points per game in 2019-2020. Okay, so that was um, that included some of the bubble. He averaged sixteen. Point eight points per game off the bench in 2018-2019. Let me see if that was the year he had some big games against. Uh, he had um, he had some big games against Washington in the 2018-2019 season. And I just I'm just reminded of something. The last there were two sporting events I went to um, in the week prior to everything shutting down in March of 2020, Tommy. I went to um, I went to, actually three. I went to two Maryland basketball games. I went to the game against Michigan State, and then the final game, as it would turn out, against Michigan, where they clinched a share of the Big Ten title. I also, with our good friend Harley from Window Nation, went to the Wizards Brooklyn Nets game, which was on February twenty sixth of twenty twenty. I just pulled up the box score because I remember. Harley had very good seats for that game. We were sitting on the floor for that game. And Spencer wow. and Spencer Dinwiddie got really hot at one point during the game. Now, it shows that he had 18 points in this game, and Karis LeVert had 34. I do remember that night. I think Tommy Shepard, from my point of view, knows what he's doing and gets the benefit of the doubt until he builds up a resume of failure like the guy he replaced. Yeah, I agree with that. It's weird because the NBA is just so different, and evaluating NBA general managers is just different than evaluating, you know, NHL or NFL or MLB general managers. Uh, it's just too hard to win championships. It's just too hard to even get to an NBA championship. So, an NBA general manager who's getting his team you know, to, you know, pushing the 50 win mark and getting into the playoffs year in and year out without, you know, a top five player um, is doing a pretty damn good job. So we'll see. I mean, time will tell on Tommy Shepard. I like Tommy a lot, and I think that he's done a pretty good job. Look, just getting out of the John Wall contract and then getting out of the Russell Westbrook contract and parlaying all of that into, you know, what they got back from the Lakers and then into Spencer Dinwiddie is a pretty good job from where they were. They were not going to win an NBA title. They weren't even going to push anywhere near contending for an NBA title or even an Eastern Conference title with the way they were constructed. So, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think so far, so good. Uh, I'm rooting for Tommy. Um, he really is uh, one of the really good guys um, in the area, uh, in, you know, an executive, in an executive position. All right, uh, the Nats, Tommy, you know, we were, we did do our podcast, af- the last podcast after all of those trades. I think the only one we missed that day was the Lester trade. Um, they've, you know they've won a couple of games. They blew another one in the bottom of the ninth last night, which hurt. Um, they're actually right in this. They're still in the thick of this race. You do realize that, right? They're only six and I a think half they're games only out. Six. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Mets stink right now. I mean, they're five games over five hundred, and they got a two and a half game lead on the Phillies. Um, uh, last night though, they blew you know a big lead in the, you know blew a big lead in the ninth, gave up five runs. 
in the top of the ninth uh, with that bullpen, which, you know, had Suero in it and then a couple of dudes that I don't really know. But they started this guy, Gray, one of the guys they got back in the uh, in the sell-off hall. The Dodgers trade. He was yeah. their Dodgers top pitching prospect. He immediately becomes the Nationals' top pitching prospect. And uh, he pitched okay from, from the box score. I didn't watch the game. I didn't uh, he pitched five innings, gave up one run. You know, uh, so that's pretty good for your first time out. He, he, you know, from all accounts, he had his composure, didn't seem overwhelmed by the moment. Uh, his first name is Josiah. I imagine is how you pronounce it, Josiah Gray. Right. But uh, you know, apparently some people said he went by the nickname JoJo. And uh, he cleared that up on social media last night where he said, well, you know, my close friends and teammates might call me JoJo, but nobody else should use that. <laughs> Everybody else should call me Josiah. Okay. Well, you know, yeah. you got to earn it. You, you know, you got to earn the right for him to allow you to call him. By his, so, by his which I, which I posted, uh, like like the old man on the couch that nobody would pay attention to, get back with a video. Say again. Can you figure? Get back to his, you know, don't call me JoJo thing. Oh, um, the Beatles, get back. There you go. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Good job. You might be the only one who got that. No. Get back, JoJo. Get back, JoJo. Um, what album was that off of? That was the Let It Be album. I was going to say, it had to be the, like 1980, because it was later. It was like right before they broke yeah. up. It was 1970, I think. There you go. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, you got anything else? Yes, I want to wish a happy birthday to two people. Okay. Happy birthday to Tom Brady, who turns 44 today. Right. Uh, six years older than uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. So th- there, there's your role model right there, buddy. And uh, wish a happy birthday to the other guy I know, the, the, this other guy who I know, who's also going to live to be 100 like Tom Brady, and that's Andy Poland. <laughs> happy birthday, Andy. And yes, as we yeah. know, Andy's goal is to live to 100 years old and I will give Aunt Andy is first of all he's a he's the most creature of habit person I've ever known in my life. Actually, we know two of them. Al Galdi is a major creature of habit. Um, if you yeah. get either one of them out of their daily routine, they're all messed up. Uh, Andy really has over a long period of time done a great job taking care of himself. You know he. He works out, he bikes, he does his best. His goal is to live to 100. How old is Andy now? Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing 62. That's just a guess. Okay. Um, uh, happy birthday, 62. Andrew. Happy birthday. Here. You know, we both, worked with, we both worked with Andy. I had some great years on the sports reporters, and then we did the show together on uh, 106.7 for about three and a half years. And he's one of my favorite people. Well, yeah, you and Andy got... Uh, look, Tom and I would have never done our show together for seven-plus years 
had Tom not been a big part of the sports reporters with Andy and Steve for all of those years leading up to it. That was what, you know, that's where all of us realized Tommy was really good at this. And then, um, of course, we had a genius program director who put the two of us together. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, he loves to take credit for that. Uh, had nothing to do with him, obviously. Um, but uh, um, you also got, you know, I, 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 you have also gotten the opportunity to work with Andy at 106.7 on that Saturday morning show. And, you know, I worked a lot with Andy over the years. Andy and I, I hosted Monday morning quarterback together on Mondays during the season, following games. By the way, following preseason games, too. Um, we did that four-hour Monday morning quarterback show together for, uh, I don't know, six or seven years, something like that. And, you know, it was the only show, Tommy, for me, that I got to just sort of show up and not have to worry about planning it out because Andy, Andy was, you know, Andy was the lead on that show. Whereas, you know, you and I, I've always sort of bit. It's not that I'm the lead, but I'm the one that sort of organizes well, everything and, and the whole thing. But I Absolutely. got, I got to do that, and I loved doing that. I loved yeah. being able to just because that show would start at six a.m. and it was six to ten a.m. And, you know, you could roll in at 545 and Andy was already there and everything was already organized. And and of course, you'd get some sort of story from Andy uh, about home life prior to the show starting that you'd have to, you know, um, do a quick uh, double take on. Um, Andy, Andy was never bashful. That's for sure. About sharing all details of everything involving his life. Um, but uh, Andy and I got together for lunch Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. Hadn't seen oh, him in a good while. Good for you guys. Yeah, um, and we caught up, and I hear from Jeremy all the time on Twitter, uh, his son, and uh, they're all doing well. So happy birthday, Andy! Happy birthday. Um, have a good day. I got to go back to now um, after moving the last two days in all the stuff Tommy into in the new house, but also moving into our one month furnished rental in downtown Bethesda, which by the way, already I kind of like, um, I now have to go back and, uh, and, and we have to clean out the house now and make sure everything's clean and perfect for the new owners that will be moving into our house. It's, it was a sad, by the way, it was sort of a sad day for my boys and I, well, of and course wife, it is. you know, it's the house yeah, that I mean, we pretty much raised there, right? Yeah. 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 A lot of memories in that house. Uh, have a great day. Tomorrow, not likely. Thursday, yes. We'll probably do a show Thursday and Friday, um, but no show tomorrow. Enjoy the day. Uh, we'll talk later in the week.